Good evening. Welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have Ryan Smith on. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Ryan is a guitar player now in, in Soul Asylum. He also has some solo stuff, and he also has a project, Ryan and Pony, right? And yeah. you were also, we were just laughing at this beginning. You were first known, your first band is, so hard to pronounce, is? The Melismatics. There we go. I'm not going to say that. All right. <laughs> but no you worries. guys were, were pretty, that was, your, that was your first big, big thing, right? You guys were pretty, pretty big. That band played a lot of shows, did, did a lot of stuff. I mean, we, we would be on the road for huge chunks of the year. I mean, we maybe 150 shows a year was our kind of average. And we went all over the place, we played Lollapalooza and made, I don't know how many albums, I think at the end of it, seven albums. And you know, the band hasn't broken up. I mean, we'll, we're talking loosely about future making another record and, but we made, yeah, we made a number of albums toured all over the country. It went to other countries and made music videos and did a lot of stuff. It was, it was fun. Yeah. And still is fun. It, that band's like a family. So. And there's a couple albums on, on iTunes. I was checking out prior to this too. Very, very fun. Very pop, poppy punk kind of, what you call it? Alternative. I hate, well, it's right. You mean it. the Melismatics? What? How it? Yeah, um, it's kind of a poppy punk. Well, the the band changed a lot over the years. When we started, we started as pretty much guitar punk rock, but then mellowed out to doing it. It really evolved. Our first actual album. When by the time we made that, we were making. I we called it sci-fi, uh, indie rock, but it was just it was poppy. You know punk influence but it had a lot of synth, you know synthesizers and we would put a lot of space sounds there's a song we had like pac-man is like we we're playing pac-man as part of the song i mean so and then some of the lyrics were about things like you know there's a song called laser beam or laser beam and uh you know just to give you some idea of where we we're coming from and then from there we made a uh, our second album that was called Postmodern Rock, and we had recently, well, not recently, quite a while, re-released that album with some bonus cuts because it was the ten-year anniversary of that. And then um, our second album veered a little bit more heavily into like just we we try to keep it really pure to guitar rock music. Mm-hmm. We were pretty specific to not use any synthesizers we used some like an organ and but it was all very guitar based and then it evolved from there we had a few member changes and um and then it ended up in, you know involving everything from you know electronic music to pop punk and indie it, it, it misses the mix is really good so what i did is i took um the ones that were on itunes i downloaded them all made a playlist and i just mm-hmm. shuffled them <laughs> which is the ultimate test of a band of how it works, it, you know, abrasive from song to song or how does it flow? It all fits. It didn't feel like you were like all over the place as a band. It was kind of fun. Well, that's good. That's good. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, but, I, but, but doing it that way, I was like, I was like, I don't know how to classify this music because it's like all over. Yeah. I think that was like that band's blessing and that band's curse, you know, is the fact that, you know, we had a name that was really challenging to pronounce and remember and then shame. marketing wise, you know, we were kind of in our own universe. I mean, we played a lot of shows with other bands that made sense, but when it came down to it, you know, some bands like fit into a niche where it's like they mm-hmm. go on, you know, 
it, 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 we just didn't have that kind of, we, we just existed in our own universe and not that it was like so unique. It was just, we didn't quite fit in with any other band exactly, you know? So, but ironically, you know, we, we would hear a lot of comments of people in Minneapolis, some of the older school uh, venue people, like the, one of the, the stage manager at First Avenue used to always tell us when the Mel's Max started, he said, you know what? You guys remind me of Soul Asylum when they started out. Like you guys have that. I can hear that. I, I can hear that. Yeah. So we, we, we used to hear that a lot, having no idea that that's where, you know, I would end up joining that band. But, 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 um, you know, there, there's probably some kind of similar energy that a lot of Minneapolis bands have for whatever reason. Maybe we take in a lot of the same influences and have similar experiences. I, it feels like you guys could just really rock out a good, good acoustic guitar and a really good, there's always a good pop sensibility with some fun lyrics, a little fun word game in between. That's what kind of the, the it feels like the theme between the two. Is, yeah. You know, no, I think you're right. I mean, you know, like, can the song break down to, like you said, an acoustic guitar? Like, could you, even if it is a, you know, full throttle rock and roll song, will yeah. it survive being played on an acoustic guitar and are the lyrics, you know, yeah. Trying to play on words and things like that. Those are all common things between those bands. And then again, I think other Minneapolis bands too. I think it's kind of in the water. Right. Yeah. What you got to do when you guys get together is think of an easier name for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, no. <laughs> yeah. Like You're I like, said, I, th- I think I told you before we started the interview officially that our manager yeah. for many years, like, had the hardest time pronouncing our name. Melismatics. Yeah, yeah, he called us the Meslematics, or we'd have people call us the Mellosmatics. And for a while, we would just, any t- when we were on tour, we would take pictures of, you know, venues that butchered the name or just misspelled it. And it was pretty amusing. But, you know, you, you'd look at it and you go, oh, maybe that wasn't the, you know, the smoothest marketing move. But lots of bands do that. There was no other band with that name. I guess that was, you know, it was unique. It's what like, was the 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 Oneaters, the Wonders. It was the whole yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah right, yeah. It was, right, it was like the Oneaters, yeah. That's pretty funny. So, how did you end up going from there and probably like a hiatus, then going to Soul Asylum? How did that well happen? It was really interesting. I mean, it happened very organically and almost like there was some for good fortune in the fact that uh, well, what happened was so Mellow's Max on the road for many years, I think we were making, it was our last studio album that we made and promoted was um, Rising Tide. And that was in, I believe 2013, if memory serves me correct. And then we put out a couple singles after that and a compilation record of unreleased music um, the following year. But um, we got pregnant with a, with our child, um, Skylar and, that was one of the reasons we had to scale back touring because obviously, you know, you can't, you just can't do what you, you, you know, when you're going through that kind of life change, you have to, you have to make adjustments, but it was that. And I think we had been working so hard. I mean, we were relentless and I think that everybody needed a break and rightfully so. I mean, there was, I was honestly pretty bummed personally when we decided to slow down because that's like all I really, I mean, it's not all I cared about, but I cared about it a lot. I cared about it a lot. It was, you know. Well, it's all you did for the longest time. It's like when you have right. a job and you get laid off and you like, you lose your self-esteem. You're like, well, that's my identity. It's, it's who yeah. I am sort of. It, 
Right. It, there, there's a huge part of my identity that was that. And obviously, you know, it's it's a limited part of my identity, but it's a big part. And it, it just like anybody's, you know, if you if you're passionate about what you do, that's right. like going to be a big deal. Um, and then there was a little like so when that when that slowed down, um, I was already, you know, working on songs for another record. And so that's how Ryan and Pony kind of started from that. Um there was basically I was going to start a new band with a new name and the record label that we were on and are on now Pravda records out of Chicago. They, they said, don't, you know, come up with a new band name, just call it Ryan and Pony because we would be in it. And we were basically just going to find a drummer who found uh, Peter Anderson, who's a longtime friend of ours. And he's just an incredible musician. Great. He's the one who's on the album. He's on the album. Yep. And he's been in, uh many well-known bands from Min- from Minnesota the Honey Dogs uh he played in he's been in uh Run Westy Run for many years and then he was in uh he's in the Ocean Blue um and he's anyway really really good musician and good friend of ours so we've known him forever so he was like kind of the obvious uh fit for that and uh anyway that's how that al- that kind of started and that was quite a while ago um, that was what I thought I'd be working on. So I started making the songs for Moshi Moshi, the Ryan and Pony album. That was back in like two two sixteen or something, right? You had, well, you had a single around two sixteen. It was like when the first right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So the first single came out. Yeah, that you you know that better than I do. I wouldn't have remembered that, but but the um, we started. I started making the recordings in two thousand fourteen. So mm-hmm. for Moshi Moshi, which came out in twenty twenty. So as you can tell, there was an interruption in there. So I was I was also playing bass for the uh, for Phil Solom, good friend of mine from the Rembrandts, and then the Rembrandts started playing, and I did some stuff with that. That seemed like oh, I might be doing this, and then um, got the call from Soul Asylum to to try playing with them, and that went super great. We gelled pretty much instantaneously. It's the kind of thing where, you know, when you play with somebody and you feel like, oh, yeah. this, but you know, you, you know, when it's right, you know, like this feels like this should have been, you know, you see it in the videos. Uh, I'm sorry. You see it in the videos that you guys have done. Th- those are, you can feel the energy of you guys. It's really fun. Those oh, that's great. Things. I don't think it's, you can really feel that you guys, you can feel the, I almost like Dave's like, almost like re-energized. Like it's not nothing negative before. It's just like, it's kind of something a little different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little different and, you know, eat fresh, uh, you know, you know, bring in fresh blood, you get, there's just, there's just an invigoration to, you know, to do it. It's exciting. I've always thought Dave is one of the greatest songwriters we ever had in Minneapolis. I mean, I'm, I was a huge fan of Soul Asylum for a long time. So, you know, to me, it's a, it's a really incredible experience and an honor to play with all of those guys. I mean, you know, Michael Bland has been uh, one of my heroes as a musician i mean he's legendary in minneapolis he's legendary worldwide but you know minneapolis like when you start playing music people would always be talking about this mysterious michael bland you know the guy that has perfect pitch and knows everybody's parts and you know you know and so he he was a very 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 important person and is a very important person in in our music scene and um you know jeremy tapero the bass player now is a guy that i've been I've known for years and our paths have intersected so many times um, with our different bands and stuff. He's done so many things. So he's been here for a couple of years, right? He's been, he's been for a few yeah, years. yeah. He's been playing for um, 
Yeah, he uh, started actually when I joined the band, he shortly after started uh, guitar teching. And he's a multi-talented person. He can play anything and produce music and, you know, he can do anything. And and uh, Winston Roy has been the bass player for a long time. He's in yeah. New York. And I think with um, logistics, you know, and uh, proximity and, and uh, you know, it things kind of evolved in a different way. And, and uh, but they're all great dudes. Love, love all of them. So, you know, feel fortunate in that way. Well, yeah. You've really been kind of lucky. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's like, so that was what happened. And then that, that started taking all of, you know, not all of my time, but a lot of my professional time. And then Moshi Moshi um, was, uh, you know, something that got put on the back burner just out of necessity until, um, you know, until there was the opportunity to, to get right. that going and, and complete the project. So, um, yeah. And you had started playing, you guys hadn't written yet. You guys had done a little bit of touring with, with Soul Asylum. Yeah. Where did everything happen for you guys when the whole uh, epidemic apocalypse of COVID happened? Like, yeah, I really like shut you guys out fast. You guys kind of trying to trudge through it like some bands. Well, what happened was we were um, on tour supporting the first singles for the latest Soul Asylum record, Hurry Up and Wait. So the tour was going really well. It was like, you know, most of the shows we were getting either, you know, they were either sold out or close to that most of the time. Um, the momentum was just really picking up. So that, I think at that point I'd been in the band for, well, it was 2016. So um, this was back in 2020. So, uh, or yeah, I think it was 2020. Um, so so I'd been in the band for four years and I had seen um, that this was really building somewhere, you know, like the people were getting excited about the new music. Yeah singles were going somewhere and we were in you know we it was kind of like we were in our own universe on the tour bus where you know you can you, you hear about news and stuff you know and i try to follow with current events and things and we were fully aware of the fact that the world was changing around us except you don't really see it until it really hits and what the way i uh i guess i saw it was we would hear about shows getting canceled and mm-hmm. Um, you know, we would hear about things like shortages and people hoarding things and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and uh, we were uh, at some point in the tour where, where some of the last shows were getting canceled, we were supposed to go to South by Southwest that got canceled. And it was like watching the road crumble in front of you. And suddenly we were in California. We did our last show in uh, Los Angeles at the Tarragon theater. And, you know, like that show had technically sold out, but we were like, there's only, it was maybe like a uh, maybe three quarters full, but we're like you know a quarter of the people didn't even show up and they bought tickets and we're like what's going on and you know obviously now in retrospect it's so clear what was going on it was a yeah. pandemic and people stopped going and and then it was like the next city was San Francisco San Diego was the next one we we got there and then that show got canceled and then it was suddenly we we found out we we're flying home and the tour was cut. I think it was two and a half weeks short or something. I don't quite remember, but you know, so we were sent home and that was just kind of earth shattering in a way. I mean, yes, it was like, it was kind of, and there's some good things, you know, you get to go home and you have some off time. That's when I started making a solo record because I realized, you know, okay, well, I have this, this time that I never have that I can do something. I always am writing songs. so I could develop that. 
Um, you know, and then I hadn't really, you know, been seeing my, you know, just working so much. I, you know, it was like my daughter was real interested in, you know, uh, spending a lot of time, you know, in a really good way. And so, so just life really changed. And it was, um, you know, we tried to continue to connect with people. We did weekly, uh, Dave and I just did weekly online. Yeah. The quarantine sessions. Those are great. Those are great. Well, cool. I'm glad you, you know, you liked them. They were, you know, they were, it, it was fun for us. It was really a good way to, to have a, a sincere connection with people um, when we couldn't do it in person. And we let them into basically us hacking through, you know, song. I shouldn't say hacking through, but you know what I mean? We were digging no, pretty yeah, deep in the catalog. No, but you guys, I know, but you guys, you could tell it was fun. You could feel the energy. That's what I'm saying. You could feel the energy between you two from those kind of things, those real moments, you know. That's what the fans really like. That's what people really like to see. So... Well, it's good to hear. I mean, that, that, uh, you know, that was our only really way of really doing anything. And then, then the album came out and we did a whole release day online and it was just Dave and I, we did like, we would do an interview and we do like a live performance for whatever magazines, Instagram or, you know, and it was just a full entire day, uh, of online release celebration performances and interviews and things and it was actually really cool and the album ended up doing real you know well and 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 uh good you know i think we lucked out that we had management and a label that was able to figure out how to do things under those circumstances you know and um so we kept on and then we were working on new music we did a few stream concerts and then we just got um we just had a, a full length tour not long ago. So, um, you know, we just got done with that. It was like our summer tour and it's different out there. It's not back to normal. You know, it really isn't. It's like, I know some, you know, maybe some bands and some genres have like an audience that it's just, it is normal, but it's not for, for alternative rock music. You know, you have, there's, it's complicated. It's not, you know, I don't think I could, even explain there's a, well there's no wrong thing i had tickets for one concert and then because it was at, at a fairgrounds mm-hmm. i didn't want to, we decided not to go because who was going to have what how coverage it was on top of each other in the concert i'm like i just can't you know i feel like the episode yeah. of uh the simpsons with mr burns you know he's got the shoe box he's got the clinks boxes on his feet and he's like living alone like in the house away from people you know yeah. i just want to stay away from germs i don't even like i don't even like getting a cold so this whole yeah. pandemic's been awful. <laughs> yeah, right. I can completely so, understand. This is going to change things. I mean, that's the other thing. It's really interesting talking to people, musicians that are on the road and like used to a certain thing. Then you're not. And then you're home with your kids or the wife and the spouses and this and that. And all of a sudden they're like, whoa, this is kind of different. I kind of like this. At first it's like kind of kind of too much. And then they're kind of like getting into it. So I'm curious to see how touring is going to go. And the whole process in the future with a lot of bands now, if they're going to yeah. be like slowly speeding up again, like I got to get out of the house or, you know, smaller right. tours, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Affect you? you think you, you think you're like, you got a mix or like, you're like, I don't know if I can go out as much now. Well, I feel like I learned a lot. I mean, I learned a lot about what I do like doing and what I don't like doing. And, you know, <laughs> I think, I don't know, it, it felt really extreme coming home. There are really amazing things about, um, you know, 
the, the positives of being home and having that kind of time far outweighs the negatives. But you know, there were there were certainly a lot of crazy things going on. Like, for example, my daughter was in kindergarten at the time. Well, you know, the kindergartners got sent home, you know, to be homeschooled. And in meanwhile, I'm trying to reinvent my career, you know, and yeah. work, you know, because you don't, you know, it's not like uh, musicians don't, you know, you don't have like unemployment in the same way. You got to, right. you need to create your new opportunities. And, and so I was working a lot and from home trying to homeschool, basically. I mean, they just the worst right. thing ever, right? You're right. Like, I right. want to go to right. school and I'm going to teach somebody something. Yeah, it was like, you know, in the very beginning and before, you know, and and everybody was trying their best, like teachers were trying so hard. But the thing is, like a kindergartner at at that stage, you know, they don't quite know how to navigate around on an iPad yet. And the teachers didn't know how to to do this. I think they probably had a balance of just trying to make sure anything was put in place for the students. And they probably didn't want parents to feel like the kids weren't getting an education. So maybe it overshot it a little bit, but all I know is like at the very beginning, I was like, this is impossible. I'm like, I'm trying to work full time. Plus um, it, it required me to be doing something nonstop to help get through school. Cause there's no way, uh, you know, at the time a five-year-old is going to stay on target and like know how to join their meetings and do these things. Now she can do it. She's seven. It's totally different, but at five, that I mean, was, it's she's in college now. It's totally yeah. different now. She's, she's totally different. Just going to college so, now. They learned yeah, they learned fast, like how to do this stuff. But but that first year was, you know, coming off that it was like wow, it was rough. And we had a lot of other, you know, there are a lot of other kind of tragic things going on in life around that time. So between those things, it was a very strange time. But you know, there were good things in it, and I look back and I go, well, you know, I I know I don't want to be. I am busy still, but I don't want to be doing what I was quite doing before, you know, where um, I'm a basically, you know, sometimes you feel like you're just a working machine and you're gone. Yeah. You, you know, it's like you need to have connections. You need to, you need to, um, you know, that stuff is more important than other things. Yeah. Your, your kid so, really needs to, to yeah. be around at some point, you know, otherwise they'll be up at the bell yeah. tower or something, some kind of Kennedy yeah. assassination. You got to make sure they're, they're ground them. Well, and it's funny because like any talk to you, whether it's doing um, this a show or at work, I do IT in Zoom, no matter who it was, always had a kid or a dog come by. That's what I was laughing about earlier. Uh, it's it's paramount to any band I've ever did, no matter who big or how small or work or not. Everyone always has something that comes into the, <laughs> the yeah. screen and has to manage it. I mean, that's just, you know, part of the part of the thing now. It's, you know, yeah. it's kind of like leveled out everything, kind of made the world a little different. And I'm sure you learned you never want to teach. <laughs> What's that? Oh, right. oh, no, I, I, so well, here's the ironic thing is I do actually, I have independent cool. students that I do. Te- well, yeah, but right. Well, guitar, uh, right. Yeah. I right, mean, like, right, right, right. Music, yeah. But, yeah. but, but, um, yeah, I mean, I have like this immense respect for teachers that are, my mom was a teacher. My dad was actually a teacher as well. I mean, he was, uh, uh, not, not in high school, but, um, but, uh, I have a huge respect for teachers and, and especially now I feel like, you know, they're what they're, doing is very very challenging there's so many uphill battles that they have you know and then the public doesn't really appreciate sometimes what they're doing and the sacrifices they're making and what and how hard they have to work for at the end of the day what's not necessarily the highest return on their time i mean it's like it's it's a pretty selfless uh 
field it's to be probably in. one of the worst careers right now. <laughs> yeah, to be in. I mean, really I just, I, yeah, yeah. I feel fortunate. Like our daughter's in the school where that where it's excellent, and the teachers are amazing, and the staff is amazing, and we don't have parents like you know the crazy. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, yeah, we don't have people like you know being basically rude and like kind of. You know, I mean, attacking them for doing their job. The helicopter, you know? the helicopter parents have gotten worse yeah. over the years. I'm, I'm glad my kids are past that too. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I have one in high school, and it's, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm pleased. I got no complaints. You know, yeah. I just want to cry. They're like, can you, Dad, can you teach me math? I'm like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't you have a teacher or something for that? Um, so while you're doing that, you work on this great album, your uh, Moshi Moshi album, right? So through all that, this, this is a great album I want to talk about. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. So, yeah. And that was, uh, like I said, you know, we started making that record and, you know, that was like the first thing I intended to do when the Melismatics slowed down on um, some of those songs really weirdly came into shape, like where uh, it felt like very 2020, you know, when some of them were, significantly pre 2020 you know but 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 strangely related to what was going on you know so the the bulk of the work had been done way before then but it was really actually i think it was before that tour yeah so it was pre-pandemic that yeah yeah, a couple of these singles were out a couple of these songs were pre-out earlier yeah which is interesting because i do feel like it does fit it's a very cohesive album but it has a sound that's kind of different i'm looking down excuse me, at the, the song titles. And and um, they really kind of cross a lot of different types of music styles, I think. You know, and it fits good, but it's really like, it feels like there's like a little 70s or 70s or 80s and some rock and it, you know, but but like what you do, it's always got that pop hook to it. You know, so it's not leaving it to keep it on. Was that conscious the way you wrote that? Or is it just kind of how the songs came out? No, it was conscious. Um, a couple of things influenced that. One, um, I've always liked bands that, go all over the map. And I mean, just to use the most cliche, obvious example, the Beatles, you know, it's like, well, the Beatles, you know, if you take a record, like, well, any of the records where they did, you know, like the, the mid and later Beatles, they would do something where it's like this songs with, you know, this style and they would do a different style, but she always knew it was the Beatles because the voice, right. that was the thing that, that unified. So, but oh. the Beatles do sound of a certain song where they do, when they sing, it's the same pop harmonies though that, that you know that ties in everything else though no matter what they're playing whether it's you know some uh, indian sitar influence you're still going to hear the harmonies and that pop song in there yeah absolutely so there was the idea was to be able to you know kind of cross some stylistic genres you know within a reason i suppose but the voices were the thing that was going to unify it and maybe the the songwriting style yeah. you know uh through any of those uh, changes. And I've also always really loved albums that um, just go places, you know, where they don't like, here's their sound. And then it sounds like they set up, you know, the amps and the, the, the drums and they just record the whole album. I mean, there are some amazing albums made that way. Don't get me wrong. And I love some of them. I mean, some of my favorite XX were made that way, but, but I prefer, you know, as someone making the music, I like to use, you know, recording is more of a, um, creative palette, you know, where you can try different things and try different sounds and, 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 and mix it up a lot. So I like, I like albums that sound like mixtapes, you know, where it's like, Oh, we'll put well, that's this. A good, that's a good example. Yeah. That, that's kind of what it would. Yeah. It's like, it may sound like the same band, but you also sound like different bands too. Yeah. 
So that's that's kind of how I think of it. Like I think about if I and I used to love making mixed tapes, you know, that was like, yeah, 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 it was like one of the most fun things to do. Like you'd think about, oh, there's, you know, this much space on the cassette left and I can get that. Oh, I could put a Descendants song that's 20 seconds here, you know, because (laughs) it's like and then surprising people with things that was always really fun. So I think there's some relationship between that, you know, that pastime from the 90s to yeah. now you know that that's like a thing that um is translated into making albums and then you know the other thing too like producers like quincy jones i always thought were amazing i mean he's a phenomenal musician all the way around but he really thought about every song on an album being very specifically as far as like why it's there you know so you don't ever put a song on there just because you had it it's got to be like this song is there for a reason it holds a space. It's not repeating something else. It's not, um, it's not filler. It's there because it's like part of a cinematic experience or a movie or something, you know, I, I, I'm the kind of guy who loves full albums, even real albums or that you got to make cassettes, you know? So that's, that's one of the fun things about this is you really, you know, it's, it's, it's a full album. You're not like you have to skip or like, it's not anything like that. You know, I generally don't listen to music. It's a lot of skipping of music, you know? Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's solid the whole way through. But it really is interesting the different sounds that you really kind of came up with. What would you like fast as I can and then like cinematic? Kind of different, you know? Yeah, right. Those are different in. uh, Yeah, I mean, I think every song just kind of follows what it feels like the song should be, you know, and cinematic feels like it should be, I don't know, synth and. Um, you know, it's, I don't know, they just have different feelings, you know, and fast as I can is like kind of a, you know, for weirdly, like we noticed a lot of hip hop, um, you know, stations and websites and stuff gravitated towards that song. It was weird. Like it didn't, uh, yeah, yeah. It was very strange. Like it, like it was getting added on hip hop things and we were like, well, that's interesting. I mean, didn't see that coming at all. But no, I don't see that. That's cool. That's really cool, yeah. especially because it's so different. Yeah, right. But right. I did. I wouldn't. That's not what I. That's not the track I would have picked. That I would have yeah, released no, never, to, to right. hip hop station. Never. Right. Right. That never occurred, had, occurred yeah. to me either. But um, you know, huh. it's got. You know, it's just. A, it's more. It's like guitar driven. Uh, I don't know. There's a little influence of Johnny Marr. I love him as a guitar yeah. player. So there's some. You know, just when you spend a lot of time as a kid listening to somebody it starts to you know work its way into your psyche and and it, it just becomes a part of your own identity mixed with other things that you got into so um, how did you, did you write a song guitar or do you write some on keyboard how did you come up with these songs to, for them to be so different Was it um, just- well it depends on the song you know really my process for that is almost always uh you know capturing the inspiration you know i could every song has got a different story. You know, there was some part like fast. I can since he brought it up. Right. You know, that one, I had a riff, which was the chord, like the chord structure for the song. Mm-hmm. It was like a chord progression with a particular rhythm to it. That was an idea. I had a title and I had a couple of the melodic ideas in there that were all kind of separate. And I just started developing it, but usually it's something like that. Um, sometimes it's keyboards sometimes it's guitar. Um, in the past, I've written more on keyboard. I think most of the stuff from Moshi Moshi, I ended up writing, you know, like there was an idea in my head first. I document that idea. 
on my iPhone, you know, I'll just like sing it into it or, yeah. you know, go into GarageBand and just make a quick note of some kind that I can remember later. Um, but I did want to keep that album more, um, well, you know, the, the more in my mind, like I wanted to be using like real amps, you know, keep it more real than, um, you know, so easy and there's nothing wrong with it, but you know, it's so easy to just use everything digital and not have anything real. And I wanted to make sure, you know, like the strings are, right. you know, real, you know, got a string player to come in and wrote out the parts by hand and she played, you know, stuff like that. Like I just wanted to try to make it um, for my own personal taste to feel like it was authentic. I think it's, it's going to play it too for you. I'm sorry for you to actually play live. Cause you, I've seen you guys you know, online, you guys, of course have done some, you know, some of these songs are online too. So that it feels pretty authentic to what the song is. You don't have to like, you know, pipe in other stuff. Right. Right. I mean, we do have like, there's a ton of layers. I mean, that's one thing about that album is there are, yeah. there's a lot going on. Like if, if, uh, you know, if you get like head, if you put on like earbuds or headphones and you really, and that was, that was a, you know, a goal of that record was to make layers and make it really interesting for listening over and over again. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, some of my favorite albums you do that and you, you can always hear something new or you go, you know, but also to make it not rely on that stuff, you know? So if, if you did play it with just like a guitar a voice or two voices or right. whatever you do, you could strip it down and you could perform it. And it's not like, Oh, it's missing, you know, everything, you know, yeah. you, like, I you think could, it's, uh, I did, the last one I just saw was, um, uh, I would die for you doing the, the live version of that. Oh, right. It's pretty, sure. You know, it's a good version and it doesn't really, you know, it kind of stands on its own where it's not like, you're like, Oh, that's not, you know, like the album. It's sure. kind of like its own thing, you know? which I, I dig. I like when a band can go out there and still kind of do a, do a version of their own music. Yeah. That still sounds strong. It can be different. I, I, I respect, right. no, I respect you want to do different if you're playing, especially you play the same song all the time. Mm-hmm. I get why bands want to do that. You know, people are. Yeah. So, right. This is fantastic. I'm going to, everyone's going to follow the links. Got to check out these albums. So the future of just as a wrap up, what do you got? So, what are you doing now with the band? You're gonna be doing a little playing with this band a little bit out, some soul sound now because of new album writing or you're, you know what I mean? Where you at? Yeah. I mean everybody everything's it's all about new music now. You know, Soul Sound's been working on new music since um really since the pandemic. I mean, so a new album is in the works. Um I've been, you know, as I think I mentioned here, like I started working on a solo record when I got off the yep. tour. Um so the the when the pandemic started and so there are a lot of like very topical songs of the you know that that i started writing and working on and developing and so i've already released two singles for that um Mm -hmm. that are on spotify and you know itunes and apple music um and i'm working on a music video for the first single for that um and then a full-length record to follow so there'll be a there's going to be a cassette ep uh, followed by a full length LP and music videos, the whole deal. So yeah. that's, you know, so, and then, you know, the Mel's Max has started playing a bit here and there. And uh, so everything is active and, and uh, it's a lot to balance. It's a lot to balance. Yeah. With the solo stuff, you can do like a single at a time. Some bands actually were doing like a single one at a time. And then when they're done, when they're done with all of them, Mm-hmm. and or whatever whatever the number is they'd be like all right i'm gonna release it as an album 
a special limited vinyl if people want it. You know, like the kind of we're kind of feeling out the audience and as they went. You know, that was yeah. just part of the models that people are doing now. Is that yeah. kind of you or just a partial? Well, it, it, that's what we did with the with Hurry Up and Wait. I mean, there were it there were I think four singles is my memory. I don't remember. I think it was like we did Dead Letter and If I Told You. Um, I can't remember. But we did that. And then we did that for the eight. There was an acoustic EP. And that's exactly what we did. The entire EP was released as yeah. singles. So one, two, three, four, however many songs are on it. And then it was out. And I would imagine, you know, it's just too soon to say for Solo somehow we would do that because we're just not at that stage yet. But I would imagine totally it. it's it's kind of the way it works now. You know, you get yeah. more. I don't know if you're going to do it too. So I actually meant more for you. I know. Oh, Soul Asylum, yeah. bigger machine oh itself. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. You're in control yeah, of your yeah, own destiny, right. you know. Yeah, yes. So for that, for sure, you know, I've already done, like I was saying, for the solo record, I did two right. singles. We did that for Moshi Moshi as well. I mean, we did, you know, as you pointed out, there were singles way back in 2016, and we had done several to set up the record once it was ready for release. So, you know, solo project, I'm just getting that where it even exists anywhere because, you know, I forgot about this, like when you start a new thing, it's like you suddenly need, an, you know, you need social media, you need websites, you need all this stuff. And it's yeah. like, oh, this is a lot of work. This is kind of a pain. But um, to, to kind of get that going, the singles help you kind of ease into it mm-hmm. and let it get out there. Um, so it's not all just like dropping at one time where an album's out and suddenly you have, you know, you have to create a world on social media out of the blue. So and social media is really hard nowadays too. <laughs> oh, yeah. To do it. So, well, we'll when you're done, totally done, and some other stuff, maybe we'll have you come back again and keep promoting you and keep doing this, all right? I want to thank you for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was fun.